You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And, and we're, we're your, your art, art friends. friends. Let's hang out for the duration of the time code, y'all. I moved. <laughs> I finally you moved. Did. You moved everything, everything that you own. Yes. And a lot of stuff I owned, I didn't place. move. We just put out to the side of the road because too heavy. Didn't want to deal with it. Andrew, my bed frame, my beloved bed, bed frame. frame. I love it so much. And it's gone now. It's no longer... Oh. But think of it this way. Somebody else might come across and claim it. I hope so. It'll have a lovely new home. And good for them because we tried to sell it for $300 online. Yeah. No takers. Now it's on the side of the road on Moore Park. If anybody would like to go find it, it's probably gone now. It's definitely gone now. It's been like a a week. Wait, am I just learning why Grussell's... Uh, company is called Moore Park Media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that we've all moved out of the building, I can, I can share change the, the street name. name. <laughs> yeah, Moore Park so Media funny. is our podcast conglomerate because everybody who makes podcasts on this network lived in a building on a street called Moore Park. Thanks. I haven't. No. <laughs> You're my plus one. <laughs> yeah. But I moved and now I have a new office space. Um, So if my audio sounds a little bit more echoey, it's because there's nothing in here. Anyway, it is a smaller space than my old office space by um, like one. How do you say this? Like one square foot. My old place was like 12 feet by 12 feet. And now this is like 11 by 11 or something like that. Um, But for the first time, I have I have my desk in a command position. I saw that because it's like in the middle of the room, right? Yes. I've got it in the middle of the room, butted up against a wall to my right. So I face the door into my office and uh, next, like to the left of me, I have my, my art desk, my studio desk, which is by the window. And I think this is going to be good for me because now I feel, I feel like. I'm in command. I, like the command <laughs> position is not just just a cute yeah. word. Uh, Mike, my husband, walked into the office and I was like, mm-hmm, can I help you mm, from behind my desk? <laughs> do you, I'm sorry. Do you have an appointment? Do you have an appointment, sir? Who are you here to see? Is it Beth? Because <laughs> she's busy. Yeah. She's recording a is podcast. It, is it Tuck? Because Tuck's also busy. Tuck's also busy. My dog, Tuck. It's going great. If you were wondering, I'm even more in love with this little buddy than I was before. Mm-hmm. He now knows how to roll over. Oh. Uh, and a bunch of other tricks. I've stopped doing like trick tricks with him. I just want to keep talking mm-hmm. about the dog now. I've stopped doing trick <laughs> tricks with him. And now I'm teaching him like desensitization stuff and like leash training. And I've been feeding him in the in the sink so that when I give him a bath, he doesn't think that every time he's in the sink oh, is it like a horrible thing. That's a good idea. I've been trying to teach him stay. Stay Ooh. has been really difficult. Stay is a hard one. So is wait. I remember I, wait took a while to get Cadence to, to master. So what's the difference between stay and wait for you? Uh, so wait is usually for something like food or like a toy that's right in front of Cadence. And she can't have it until I say, okay, go. Ah. Um, and then stay is more about physical body she has to yeah she has to stay like in a specific spot and then i go somewhere else gotcha yeah i'm i'm doing it really slow because i hear that um you want to take really baby steps with commands like stay Mm -hmm. because if i challenge him too much and he fails too many times then he won't get it so i keep just kind of walking away a little bit and then rewarding him 
but for days I've been walking away a little bit and rewarding him. Yeah. Uh, only recently have I been able to go out of his eye line and come right back in and he's okay. Oh, but that's so good. If there's any distraction whatsoever, he does not listen to me. Yeah. So we're not we're not a distraction yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um back to the studio. This this is the first time I've had a studio layout like this, and I'm really excited to use this space as like an online shop and an art creation area and my editing bay, my computer setup and a streaming space. Like it, it needs to be a lot of different things. And I think this mm-hmm. layout's going to work. Um, the one regret that I have is that the internet hub is in this room and we put it on a wall that I assumed my computer would go on. Oh, and it's not, that's not where the computer <laughs> is. And so oh, now no. I have to fucking run a cable. I hate cables so much. And I have to run a cable <laughs> along the entire edge of my floor to get it to my computer. Remind me not to show you my studio. Oh, I have an internet cable running from downstairs behind my TV all the way up along the trim. It's It's along the trim at the top of the at the top of like door frames and everything so it's kind of hidden oh it's not at eye level or you not, own like, down your at house your feet. hire someone to come and run it through the wall <laughs> i probably should have done that but this was the first week of the pandemic when i got the really long ethernet cable and i wanted to save money <laughs> yeah 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 i respect that the first thing we did was hire um, somebody to run internet into these rooms. And of course, the port is on the opposite opposite wall of where I ultimately ended up putting on my computer. Yeah. So fuck me. <laughs> I still have to do the cables. Yeah, no, I'm super excited for you to have a new studio layout and new setup that's going to be really streamlined. Minus mm-hmm. the cables. Yeah. I'll figure it out. It'll be okay. I'll buy a white one. I won't even see it. There you go. Do you have a plan for all the artwork you're going to hang up in there to inspire you yet? No, no. The (laughs) biggest regret that Mike and I have is that we, when we Mm -hmm. first got together, both of us had a lot of art prints. Mm -hmm. We also lived near a store that has since gone out of business called Aaron Brothers Framing. And Aaron Brothers, about twice a year, would do a penny sale where you could buy a frame and get another frame of equal or lesser value for a penny. And you know what we did every year for about five years? Buy a bunch of frames. A bunch of frames. (gasps) So (laughs) many. That's a new voice. I like that voice. We have so many frames. And every time we move, we bring them all and it fills up like, it's like three cars worth of frames. <laughs> and at first I was like, gallery walls. Every wall is a gallery wall. Let's use all the frames. And I still had frames yeah. in storage. And now I'm more of a selective lady, a little bit more minimalistic. Um, only want a couple frames. And we have so many frames. Do you want a frame, dude? Can I mail you some frames? <laughs> I have too many frames too, no! but not for not from the same same reason or a similar reason ah! i have too many frames because my mother likes to buy frames at garage sales and then ask me hey andrew do you want these frames and i feel bad so i say yeah say and no! i have i have three things three long boxes full of frames that i may never use but i do give them to friends when friends ah. are talking about like new pieces of artwork they're working on and needing to find frames for it. Or if they buy a new piece of artwork that they're trying to get framed, I'll usually offer, hey, you want to look through my frame collection? My frame store that's free? Yeah. That's very good of you. We are currently doing that with our friends as well. Is that your yours and my toxic trait is just frame hoarding? It's wretched. They're so See, hard to It's one move. of mine. I have a few. Yeah, so yes. So the answer is yes, Beth. And I have more. <laughs> That's the other one is not answering questions directly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my toxic trait. And also here are other toxic traits I have. 
I have commanded the conversation. Is there anything? I'm in my command center and I've commanded you're the in conversation. The command center. It's, it's just a state <laughs> of mind now. That's right. Is there anything that's <laughs> going on in your life that you want to share? Uh, I've been painting traditionally again, Ooh. which has been really fun. Oh, I just thought, I even oh. did a little. Yeah, I sent, sent you the images, a little progression, if you will. This is beautiful. Um, thank you. I started using, I tried out Posca markers for the first time. How do you feel? I like it. I like them a lot. Um, it wasn't quite the right color, so I had to paint back over it with uh, a wash of like a transparent pink to to kind of get it closer to the value I needed. But overall, good experience with the Posca marker. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm looking I at try those again. Um, if you've been following Andrew's work, then you may have seen recently he posted a experimental piece where he painted a couple peonies and then kind of warped them, and he's taken that image um, and and paste, pasted it. No, he's transferred it onto a canvas and is now doing a traditional painting of it. And I love how this is turning out. Oh, thank you. One of the it's peonies is almost entirely painted, on. and it's. It looks like a digital painting, but it's traditional. It's just a, mm, oh, it's just, ah, that's so tasty. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to have it finished because it's been over a year since I painted traditionally. How do you feel? I feel great. It's so relaxing. The other day, the other day I was working on it and mm-hmm. I didn't have any music or podcasts on. What? I was just sitting in my studio in silence. What? Cadence asleep in the corner. And then, like, it was dark outside, and I was just sitting there peacefully painting with nothing going on around me. Why? What? What is that sound? What is? I've never heard of that. It it was, it sounded like peace. Where does peace sound like? <laughs> well, don't paint traditionally for over a year okay. and then come back to Done. it and you'll enjoy it. And I maybe see. you'll find peace. All right. Well, I have a homework assignment then. <laughs> I will grade you on it too. I'm so thirsty to do <laughs> so many things. I've been unable between like adopting a baby dog and mm-hmm. moving. I haven't been able to do the top of Maslow's pyramid. The little self-actualization yeah. painting quietly in peace. And my soul needs it. I need it. I need to yeah. finish my monkey piece. Oh! <laughs> oh, I saw a magic card recently that had a little monkey in a hot spring and I thought of you. Oh, yeah. I should send mine and it be like, do you want to reprint that? But with this? <laughs> yes, because be like, your, your style is perfect for Magic the Gathering. Thanks, man. i just want your sexy boy your sexy sexy horned boy as a magic card i'll do it that would be amazing they'll have me i do feel a little bit funny like if i were to go for a um oh this is a question i have for you so i don't play magic i'm not a fan of magic if i were to submit and ultimately was able to get a magic card commission Mm -hmm. would that be stealing it from somebody who like really cares no he's shaking his head no no absolutely not it's a job okay cool (laughs) in that case watch out for me 2023 i'm pretty sure sooty bear did a commission piece for wizards of the coast and sooty bear is not a magic fan not a magic fan style is very far away from the the usual look and feel of magic cards no, I do not think you need any sort of connection to magic to to do art for it. Well, then look out for my sexy boys. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Just a thirst trap. Thirst trap secret lair. Secret lair is like a offshoot where they can do different art styles and kind of play around. And yeah, do you don't really even have to define that things. one for me. A thirst trap secret lair in and of itself is enough of a visual... Um, stimulation <laughs> that I'm in. Yes. Show me where the thirst trap secret layer is. Give me a ticket to the show. It's also like slightly ominous depending on what's inside of the thirst trap secret layer. This <laughs> <laughs> is a dark, creepy cave. Like, what's going on? Why are there swings? <laughs> what's with the leather? 
There's different doors for different folks. <laughs> I don't know that I would go through the swings door. Probably not, no. I'm intimidated. I'm not coordinated swings. enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no way to transition to the topic from um, kink. But I'm going to try to anyway. Like kink, both Andrew and I have had had a secret when we were growing up. A secret pleasure <laughs> that we we kept private because it was very embarrassing for the other teenagers to know. And it's anime. Yeah. Yeah. And recently I was hanging out with some artists for a convention here in, in town, Ohio con. And we got on the subject late one night on anime and we went around the room and like everybody talked about an anime phase that they had gone through and talked about uh, music videos, anime music videos that they had watched growing up that changed them. Oh, so you and I both have uh, origins in art that are anime based. You and I both love animated music videos like they played an important yes. part of our adolescent so life good. uh so and we're gonna talk about it yeah i'm so excited for this topic <laughs> <laughs> but first would you rather be a manga artist or an anime artist anime artist really yeah that was so I, quick one color yeah like <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could function without color. <laughs> and yeah, we'll just we'll just end it there. Just color. It's color. Makes or breaks. Andrew is not a black you? and white artist. No. I didn't I set this question did you up, just, but did I did you just not. like go ooh real? <laughs> It sounded like you said ooh. -woo. I incidentally <laughs> ooh. -wooed. I set this question up, but I did not think of the answer myself. I love them both. You weren't ready for mere force. Oh, <laughs> I if money was not an option, if money didn't matter and I could just do whatever the fuck. God, I wish it didn't. I know. I think. Manga, I love drawing mm -hmm. comics. I love it so much. It really does fill me with a lot of joy. But I also when I'm doing it in the world where money is important. I. I am simultaneously filled with a lot of like, oh, God, you're spending so much time doing a thing that isn't going to pay you any significant amount of money. Um, mm -hmm. And it sucks the joy out of it for me. So if that yeah. if it was new money didn't involve, I would do manga. Um, but because money is involved, animation. Nice. So that's yeah, my pragmatic it's... answer, my sad, pragmatic answer. <laughs> Business Beth took over. Yeah, I definitely remember feeling like a really edgy kid in middle school and high school reading manga. Being yeah. like, it goes the other way. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just recently, our podcast producer, uh, our friend got him a series of manga that's like, it's basically, uh, it's a Dungeons and Dragons manga that has food at the forefront. Oh, it's just, it's perfect. Exactly. And we were <laughs> over and he showed me the book and he was like, Beth, can you just show me real quick, like how to read this? <laughs> and I was like, That's oh, my, my precious guy. Yes. Oh, That's amazing. I'm so excited for him to go on this journey. This is Gressel's anime phase. Gressel has, he has touched anime a little bit. We have gotten Gressel to watch a couple things. Like he tried to watch, he watched the whole first season of My Hero Academia, but he can't get on board with the kind of storytelling that anime does where it's very uh, emotional and it like t the pacing of it isn't realistic. It takes moments of emotional beats where someone's like screaming and about to throw a punch for like a long time and then the flashback happens and then we cut back to the punch and then it goes all the way. It's yeah. like the, the stop go of animation bothers him. Mm, okay. And I think he's wrong. Anyway. <laughs> to each yeah, their own. Maybe manga will be a better, a better onboarding yeah. thing for him because he can take it at his own pace. And if anyone was curious, the manga in question is called Delicious in Dungeon. So Grussell is just starting to dabble in his maybe anime phase. But let's talk about our anime phases and what drew us in. Yes. Do you remember 
the the first time you tasted the anime drug? I I was thinking about that earlier today, and a number of of shows came to mind. The most obvious was Pokemon because mm-hmm. I think I was like ten or eleven when it came out. I think I was uh, like second grade. Yep. And and I remember being so sucked into it, like watching all of the the VHS Pokemon videos that they had at Blockbuster, renting all of them in the span of like a week, being all caught up on it, and then just craving more. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I remember really falling in love with Legend of Zelda, specifically the Oracle of Seasons. And I loved the anime style of the the characters in the little um, intro book that they included with the game. Okay. And then also the how to play book that showed you how to like beat everything. I would copy all of those and I would draw them all the time. Uh-huh. And I was just, oh, I was obsessed with it. And then as I got older, it became like Gundam Wing. Um, I drew Gundams all the time. And then eventually Dragon Ball Z and Naruto. And it's kind of evolved from there. Funny to include Zelda in there because I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize Zelda as anime. The style of it is Japanese illustrations. Um, But I also would like draw the the link in his little poses and shit. Yeah, I think it was Avatar Last Airbender, too. Sorry. I just got really excited about Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> that was another one that was a big influence, but it was, you know, American made, but heavily influenced by mm-hmm. anime. Um, similarly, I grew up watching Pokemon second grade, same kind of thing. Um, I think I, I'm having like a weird memory of being in a lunch line with one of my Japanese friends and her telling me that Pokemon was not anime. And me, like, not knowing what that meant. I don't, some kind of cartoons, ver- that's cartoons versus anime thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lot of people who are our generation, it was the for kids, this for kids media that mm-hmm. would, like, localize stuff. And so you have Pokemon, you have Sailor Moon, you have Dragon Ball Z. Those were, like, the onboarding things. And we didn't know that we were consuming anime. We just thought it was cartoons. Um, the first time I encountered like capital A anime was fucking magical. So I didn't grow up with cable. Yeah. I had like five channels. I would just watch PBS. I'd watch nature documentaries. That was my jam. One weekend, I went up north to my friend Brianna's cabin and I, oh, how old was I? Was this like fifth grade? You know, right about to hit puberty. Just the the most sensitive time in a young woman's life. (laughs) So one night at this cabin, everybody had gone to sleep except for me. Because I have this thing with sleepovers where if something, if the TV's on, bitch can't sleep. I'm going to watch the full (laughs) movie. I'm going to get punished by the parents. Like, why aren't you so sorry? You had the thing on. I don't know. Um, So I'm in this like foreign space. I remember how it smelled uh, like the whole cabin was made out of wood and it was cool. northern Michigan. So it was very mm-hmm. like woodsy and mm-hmm. wet and earthy. Um, and on this like little tube TV, Adult Swim was playing the first episode of Inuyasha. Oh, <laughs> it, it was like a Narnia type experience for me where I was like, what is this? And yeah. to this day, the first episode, the pilot of Inuyasha slaps. It's so good. It doesn't yeah. have any of the stuff that the rest of the month, like there's nothing cringy about the first episode. It just rules. And I watched it and there's like kind of nudity in it. There's like a centipede demon who her titties are out. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Cartoons <laughs> can have boobs. What? Yeah. And like the voice acting was interesting. Everything about it was just like fascinating to me. And from that point on, I was like, this is the world that I want to live in. And so um, when I was 12 years old, we finally got cable and I was able to watch Adult Swim. And me and my friends ran like a VHS gambit at middle school where we would record 
episodes of Inuyasha on VHS for each other. And oh like, my God. sometimes some of us could I stay up that. at night. Sometimes some of us couldn't. And so we would just, we would, we would record the episodes for one another and trade them. God, that's, that's how you know who your friends are when <laughs> you're like willing to go and record an episode of something on a VHS tape and then take it to school and like smuggle it in and be like, yep. here you go. You get last night's episode. I've talked about her on the show before. <laughs> that's Autumn, man. She's my sister. That's amazing. Autumn and Jill and I would do that. Um, and so Inuyasha was definitely the the door into capital A anime for me. And yeah. we really only had Toonami and Adult Swim yeah. to help us out with that. So Tenchi Muyo. Um, Samurai Shampoo at one point. Uh-huh, that Cooley. was later on. Fool- oh my yeah. god, Fully Cooley, yeah! Fully Cooley <laughs> right? blew my mind! I remember watching that show, and it, there's oh, it's only like six episodes or something, four or six episodes, and I finished mm-hmm. it, and I was like, what was that? What was that about? Yeah. There's no there's no like plot. A lot of this stuff was so interesting to me because it didn't make sense in the way that like Western media is formulated. Yeah. Fully Cooley, it took me years to find out that it was about puberty it was like about growing up and the confusion confusion that comes mm. with uh experiencing puberty and now when i watch it i'm like oh, okay with that lens it makes more sense but as a kid i was like bright colors a lot of emotional expression what's yeah. going on yeah oh my god i remember shows like fully Cooley and um spirited not shows but films like spirited away and stuff like that yeah when I first came across some of them, I didn't get it. And it was like yeah. you just described where it was like, what? This is breaking my brain. There's a cartoon that's not for me. For me? It's for like adults. Spirited and, um, Away ends I and you're like, understand what was the point? <laughs> yeah. I remember being so freaked out by Spirited Away. Yeah? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think got under your skin? I think it was the parents changing into pigs that mm-hmm. was the first one the second one was the uh no face eating everything and like the part where it runs and chases her through the the bathhouse and is like throwing up and barfing and uh, all the <laughs> disgusting things from that yeah but i was just so confused by it and and i remember exactly where i was when i saw it too I was taking this Saturday morning art class at this art school in Indianapolis and it was an animation class and every class or so the teacher would put on a film or an animated short or something to kind of point us at, point something out to us and teach us something. And one day they put on spirited away and I, I didn't get like anything done that day. Cause I was just like no, eyes wide. Not. Like, what is this? The fact that you can remember so many details about that viewing experience is mm-hmm. formative. Yeah. I know I was using clay because we were doing like a claymation thing or something like that in mm-hmm. the class that day. And I remember the smell of the clay and the oh. like almost like Play-Doh-esque smell and just being being completely blown away by it. Wow. Oh, how special. It yeah. really unlocked um, a, a deep interest because I, I always liked cartoons far more than I liked um, live action things. Mm-hmm. And deep into my adulthood, I would watch like kids media because um, cartoons are just a lot more fun for me. And anime suddenly is a cartoon for a more mature eye. And so mm-hmm. I, it was able I was able to grow up with it. And it grew up with me. But we were we were into the fandom of it. We're like me and my friends, we we animated music videos, right? Yes. We would consume and watch animated music videos. That's how I found music I liked was through yeah. YouTube's animated music videos. And we would make them. Do you have any of them? I have no idea how I uploaded these because I do. I did have a selection of animated music videos that I, I a- AMVs. We're going to go short. I did have <laughs> AMVs that I would put online. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think those channels exist anymore. I just went okay. and grabbed um, 
a, a bin full of external hard drives. So I'm going to plug this in and see if I can find them. But I used to make them for two things. Inuyasha, obviously, and yeah. Kingdom Hearts. Uh, yep, yep, that holds up. I'm a Kingdom Hearts <laughs> freak, man. Oh, God. I also, speaking of Kingdom Hearts, I remember being so enthralled by that trailer for the first one. Uh-huh. And that's also the intro and that song. And I remember just Ooh, watching Dada. that just for the song. Yes, correct. I, in the early days of YouTube, I would search that and I would just watch it over and over and over and over and over and over I again. I still do that. Have you listened I've, to the third I've one? I've done that recently. <laughs> the fir- the <laughs> no, intro song the for one. the third game is so good. It's so mm-hmm. good. And like... <sighs> Animated openings for anime mm-hmm. and video games like JRPGs, Kingdom Hearts, things like so that good. define my interest in art. I mm-hmm. uh, my favorite thing about about those pieces is that when you watch it, it is intriguing. When you mm-hmm. watch the media it is associated with, it becomes so rich with meaning. So suddenly mm-hmm. uh, this intro that used to be just flashy colors and pretty lights and character portraits, you realize that each flashy color indicates a transitional phase that a character went through. And there's things in the background that you didn't notice before yep. that, but with context, now you're like, oh my God, that reminds me of that scene that I loved so much. I love media that can exist both like fully by itself and then fully in a new way in association with something else. And it impacts the way that I make work. So like the monkey piece that I'm working on right now is a piece where you look at it and you think it is a cool thing I like, but I have a long-term plan with that monkey piece that like, if I am able to pull it off, it like kingdom hearts will have interwoven stories and characters and events that are happening behind the scenes that if you're privy to, inform that initial piece in a way Mm -hmm. that makes it richer i'm obsessed with like and i don't know if i would have come to that if it wasn't for the influence that these jrpgs and anime had on me yeah i while you were saying that inside of my brain i went through this process of like oh is that why people relate to my work at conventions and buy it? Because they come up and initially they're like, oh, bright colors, cool, pretty. And then I'm like, do you want to know the story? And then uh-huh. I tell them the story and they're like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, is this another way that anime has influenced my life that I wasn't <laughs> aware of until this very moment? <laughs> and I'm having this revelation on the podcast. Holy shit. Every time I think that I've figured out my art and I'm like, yeah, I know. I know everything about it. It's fine. I'm here. I'm an expert. Something new pops up. and I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's really that's really remarkable. Um, I'm a perfectionist. And so it feels like everything I make needs to have every part of itself fully realized before it's made. Mm -hmm. But. When you make work you kind of reveal to yourself what it is that you're interested in. It, it yeah. comes, it, it, it's backwards in that way. And then suddenly yeah. you look back and you're like, wow, I draw a lot of snakes. I guess I love snakes. Now I know. Were there any snakes in Inuyasha? Were there any snake demons? Yeah, dude, the first fucking demon is like a centipede snakey demon. Oh, okay, um, we've been employed by the Great Artist Council, Roy... G and Biv to write Prophetic, the weekly artist newsletter, a super real and secret publication that proves that art talent is actually just magic. <clears throat> and the only oh no oh god uh, um uh, and the only way to, to know how to use it is to to have a subscription. Uh yeah, it's you know it's been a minute since I. Sorry that I burped. You don't have to apologize. I have my official job as as a conduit for Roy G and Biv, and I burped, and I didn't control it. I had an Asian I pear. I had some Diet Coke earlier, so I was a little, like, off camera or off mic a couple times. I didn't do it off camera, off mic. I did it on mic, and I'm uh, ashamed that is, that is okay because I Roy G and Biv understand that we are but humble conduits for them, and that we cannot achieve the perfection that they 
live in on a daily How basis. How could I? I in you the Chromantheon. <laughs> you you start. <laughs> so it's been a while since we've we've brought to you all the information of how to you know, find inspiration and cultivate ideas. And I think it's time that we do that because we're getting close to spring, right? Yeah. It's, we're getting close to that. And we got to yeah. cultivate those new ideas, make that new stuff so we can, you know, thrive and, and become happy, peaceful artists who don't need music and podcasts in the background while they create. What an idea. So the first thing that the newsletter says this week on how to create and how to, you know, invite inspiration. Okay, I'll write it, I'll write it down. <laughs> it, it says that you need to put one sock on and then the other sock you need to get wet. Wet sock, okay. Wet sock, yeah, good. Go outside, put wet sock on your foot now and then press it down into the pavement, make a mark. And then once you've made that mark, then you're going to grab some sticks and grass that are nearby. And you're going to just kind of sprinkle it Salt Bay style over the footprint. Grass and sticks on top of wet mark. Yes, good. Makes like pavement snowman. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just so tilted about my burp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get it together, Beth. Okay, okay, pavement, okay, pavement snowman. Good, good, good. What next? Take your sock off because it's wet. You don't want to get a cold. Yeah, you also don't want to put that inside of your shoe again. But I think what's going to happen. Ooh, Mm -hmm. this is pretty cool, actually. Over time, a little bit of time, when the sun comes out and it dries up the pavement, It'll leave a darkness underneath where all of the sticks and leaves are. Ooh. And so when you brush away the sticks and the leaves, you'll get like a, an interesting pattern. Yeah. And then from that, you're going to want to make sure you have your sketchbook so that you can start sketching based off of the marks that it leaves behind. Because that's when the ideas will come. Yeah. Pull it off, man. <laughs> we pulled it out at the end. That's how inspiration works. Sometimes it's real messy at the beginning, and then it, you know, it evens out and comes together. I have to, I, I'm trying not to, but I have to do it again. But I won't do it. Not yet. <laughs> not while we're still. I'm going to throw up. Not while we're still in the weekly artist <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth, and you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an office depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their stay-flat notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay-flat notebooks. They have a Smithsown binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. They're the perfect A5 size. And most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denik works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So, if you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to Denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K.com, and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's Denik.com, find your favorite thing there, and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks! Back to the show. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew? Can I tell you about color? Yeah, give me what you got. So this week, 
for Color Corner, I found a really fun game that I think um, our listeners and you will enjoy. It's called Color Method, and it's basically a color matching game. So you'll do it on your computer and there's a wheel in the center and you basically move the cursor around to match the color in the middle. And all while you're doing that, there's a timer that ticks down that um, is the color that you're trying to match. So you can visually see like how close you are. And then it'll tell you if it's good, if it's very good, if it's perfect, whatever. And it goes through all these different levels. And I know that you're competitive, so I thought it would be fun to see I, who got the better score. Yes, Andrew said that he thought I would like this game. He was right. I played it before we started recording. I yelled. I've had feelings, and I'm you here were today. Much more excited about it than I was. I love <laughs> games. <laughs> I love puzzles. I also disagreed with it a couple times in backwards ways where it would tell me I did perfect and I'd be like, no, I didn't. And it would tell me I did very good. And I'd be like, bitch, I did perfect. So I had those I, moments too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, both of us have scores out of 10, a decimal mm-hmm. rated score out of 10. And also it's it's broken up into different different categories. I think you said this, but mm-hmm. there are six different uh, uh, levels, so to speak, basic cue, saturation, complementary colors, analogous analogous colors, triadic colors, and tetradic colors. So we can compare those scores as well. So Andrew, what did you score on the color game? I had an eight point nine. <gasps> Bitch, I win! I got a nine point four. Hell yeah! Ooh. Way to go! <laughs> oh, that feels so what good. Was your, what was your best uh, one? I have three that are tens. Oh, you had three tens. Okay. Uh, hue, saturation, and analogous. I got tens. Okay. I had uh, the first one was 10, which I believe is hue. And then I had nines for everything but triadic. So triadic tripped you up? Yeah. Triadic tripped me up. And there were also a couple of them where I panicked at the end because I was oh, almost out of time. Yeah. And then I moved the cursor like too far in one direction. And then it was like, good. Good. And I was like, fuck. It told me I got one good and I yeah. wanted to flip my table upside down. <laughs> I got one good and I was like, don't you even come over to my house color game. Yeah. It's it's a really fun game. Like I I could see myself playing this again just when I'm bored at my computer. <laughs> I I just do to this. try to beat my score. I have a, a phone game. Or beat your score. So I have a a, a, a social media blocker that goes on on my phone, mm-hmm. and so at night when I'm like compelled to hold my phone in my hands, I have mm-hmm. two things that I do. One number one, spider solitaire, because I'm an old lady, and number two, the hue game. Which is basically mm-hmm. this. Um, every night, I well, not every night. Doesn't matter. Some nights, I drag colors next to each other in a pattern, mm-hmm. and I, I think maybe because I do that on my phone, like I'm a little bit trained to do this kind of thing. Also, painter. Also, I do yeah. painting. But that feels that feels really satisfying. I can't do fucking trivia or spelling to save my life, but the color game. Yeah. Yeah, man. I dare I, wanna, I dare you to try to beat my score, listener. That's what I was good. I was just gonna say I was gonna say the same thing. So oh, I th- see if you could beat us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Huh. I'll get competitive, but not really. Don't, don't back down. <laughs> I'm not don't a very down. competitive it's, person. It's such a harmless <laughs> thing to be competitive about. I mean, I saw blue really good. Come at me. I'm going to kick your ass at this color game. I bet you can't figure out where Olive is on this color wheel. you can't figure out. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Oh! fails that each week we see someone do something creative that makes us say, why didn't I think of that? So before we move on with the show, let's applaud those who did it first. Yes! Mine this week is Mm -hmm. a tweet. It's a tweet that has the potential to be a piece of art. It perhaps already is a piece of art, but the tweet in and of itself is a a full idea that I think could be a very funny thing. 
And it comes from at pair of claws, Jessica chaotic trash muse, who says <laughs> reverse Cinderella. Just a bunch of rats and birds absolutely ruining a prince's life until he is the perfect match for a local servant girl. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that because it's probably a better lesson than than anything in the original Cinderella because it's like, OK, get off your high horse, get off your high horse and like, you know, don't be so, so prissy. Yeah, sometimes love is <laughs> fine you don't have to have a lot of money i i don't yeah. know if it needs to have a lesson associated with it but i would enjoy yeah, watching yeah. a rich guy just eat shit oh it'd be so satisfying just That's elon amazing. musk bitten by a bunch of little birds and rats until he has no more money i don't i haven't written it give yet give it to me chef's kiss I'll eat it up all day long <laughs> but that really made me laugh and it made me think like oh i've never considered flipping mm -hmm. a uh, fable to see what it looks like yeah that's that's a really oh that would be a good like art project too like in in college to subverted flip. fairy tales yeah oh that would be such a good idea <laughs> I'm and mad so because why, I don't teach I anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's a good idea, but I can't use it. So <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Mine is just this goofy image. I came across it last night. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, yep, yep. Okay. Screenshot, save the link. And it is a picture. <laughs> it's a picture of a crab. But it also has a phone. So it's a crab phone. It's a crab phone. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Go to our Twitter. Look at the crab phone. It's perfect. It's what you it's exactly what you think, except mm -hmm. it's got funny face. <laughs> its face is great. I it's love like, the uh, eyebrows, too. Well, maybe I'm it's not exactly. Like, what, sorry, go ahead. I just love the eyebrows that are just on top of that, like, shell part of it or the Little phone part. Little surprised drawn on eyebrows. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I said it's exactly what you think, but it occurs to me that we are of a generation that knows about rotary phones. And perhaps, I, I know that plenty of people know about rotary phones, <laughs> but that's not what goes, like, that's not their, their head image for a telephone. It's mm -hmm. a crab that has a rotary phone on the top of it. So you pick it yeah. up with your little hand, put it up to your head, put it back down on the crab, it goes cha-ching, and you do a little dial on his forehead. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was not expecting you to have that kind of reaction. I'm very I'm, pleased. That's I love amazing. crab stuff. Yeah. I love crab stuff. I have a crab tattoo, man. Like, this is my jam. I got to send this to my tattoo artist. Be like, let's do another one. And this one is a crab phone. Crab phone. And then you can have a little phone next to your crab that you already have, and they could talk to each other. Through the phone? What if what if the other crab has the phone in his crab hand, and it, he pulled it off of the head of the crab that is the phone? That would be cool. And then you could have the cord like go like up your arm and like somewhere else. Yeah, into my ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how like, phone What's your tattoo? And, and you take off your clothes and, you're, and it's that. <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's such a fun idea that's amazing oh, good show so we've talked a little bit about our anime phases and that got me thinking why do so many artists that we know of or that are part of our generation why have we all gone through anime phases and i started to look into it and i actually found a really interesting paper Ooh, ooh, research Andrew. His yes. glasses. He put glasses on top of his glasses. Let me let me push my glasses up. Well, actually. But yeah, I was reading this paper that was written in 2012 and it was talking about how anime became an influence in western culture and it kind of lined up with what I was thinking before I found the paper, which was we were part of a generation where the internet was just kind of coming of age. YouTube was new. Uh, people were posting uh, episodes of shows that hadn't come out yet on the internet. And there was no nothing. It was the Wild West. Nobody was taking them down. People were dubbing them or subbing them and, and all of this stuff. And it 
we found it because we were, you know, little internet explorers and we were checking out all the the dark areas of on the internet and finding these wonderful little gyms Mm -hmm. and they just stuck with us. And I think it's, it's so cool to realize that we were part of this like super formative time Mm -hmm. when it came to anime and Japanese uh, influences starting to kind of seep into like Western American culture. And it really was a different time when I was younger. It was a a point of shame for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, what was it, Andrew, you were telling me that like the word otaku in Japanese, uh, you helped define that? Yeah. So it, it was a term that was used for fans who the fandom or the, their obsession with the media negatively influenced their, their social skills. And it often became associated with the idea of like a person who lives in their parents' basement and like, is just a very awkward person. Um, and part of that came about because there was a crime that was committed in, I think the late seventies or like eighties where somebody, the the person who committed the crime, they found all of these mangas and, and hentai and things like that. And so immediately the media like latched onto that and labeled this as like a dangerous, like violent thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that also happened because of, anime not necessarily always being for kids whereas in america and western culture usually cartoons, cartoons are kids are for, media yeah. and if they're not they're fucking saying fuck and swearing and bleh, bleh. there's like no middle ground yeah. in america at least exactly. when we were growing up um and like the american sort of one to one is the word weeaboo which is like a mm-hmm. derogatory slang term for Western people who are obsessed with Japanese culture, Japan, Japanophiles. Um, it's been kind of taken over by by people like me, call ourselves weebs. Yeah. Identify as that. But uh, yeah, it was something that you didn't really tell a lot of people and mm-hmm. uh, you would get made fun of if you shared it openly. And so it was a very private thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was exciting to go to a library and like find three manga that were translated at the library that you could read. Um, I remember going on, what was it? Kazaa downloading anime on open platform sharing like, yeah. virus websites. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. LimeWire, all that thing. Uh, yeah. LimeWire. Jeez. There was like a honey bear one, some kind of oh my gosh. bear thing. I even went, I think I told the story on the podcast, but if I didn't, I even went on a date in college with a guy who was so weird because he was trying to hide his interests. Like he was super into anime and I was also super into anime, but for whatever reason, he had told himself that like he would not be a good date or a good man or a desirable person Mm -hmm. if he was himself. Um, And so he would just like was putting on a show the entire date. And then at the end of the date, I finally told him like, Hey man, this is not, we we had been talking back and forth online for a long time leading up to that date. Uh, And so the, the behavior was just like so different from how I knew him to be. So I confronted him on it to be like, this is, this is weird, man. What's going on? He told me how he was feeling and that he was sort of trying to be a suave guy. Um, (laughs) And then he started talking about how he's into anime and like cried. He cried on our date because he was an anime fan and was so ashamed yeah. of that part of himself. And I was like, oh, my God, it's OK. It's to- it's totally yeah. OK. I'm one of you. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's what I'm talking about, where it is. It was not ubiquitous when we were growing up mm-hmm. the way that it is now. And so it is cool to to have been a part of that in a way. Mm-hmm. And also, I I wish it was more readily available. Yeah. The way that it is re- now for me as a kid. Yeah. Like, I remember at a point in late middle school when I was trying to watch episodes of, I think it was Naruto Shippuden, and I was watching them on YouTube and finding the subbed ones. And it, was, it wasn't like a company that subtitled them and put them out. It was fans who were just really dedicated Mm -hmm. and that was another thing too in this paper that i found really interesting was that fans subbing 
was such a big element of why anime like kind of seeped into Western culture because these fans who were so passionate about it spent so much time and gave so much time uh, subbing their favorite shows and then, you know, sharing it online for free or passing out VHSs, like burn DVDs and stuff like that. And I think that's really, really cool. And I love that it's so much more available nowadays and you still see kids who are so excited about anime and you can see them being influenced by it. And I, I love that the art world is also so much more accepting of it now. Much more accepting of it. Yeah. Um, I think we had a lot of internalized, uh, uh, I don't know what the word, what kind of tree this internalization was, but I know that when I went to college, I refuted my anime background because I, all of my drawings were, um, I used to do like a lot of (laughs) Inuyasha comics, Kingdom Hearts stuff, Legend of Zelda stuff, plenty. uh, I used to go on the Neopets forums and Mm -hmm. role play with strangers online, like literally play D&D on Neopets forums, not realizing that's what I was doing. Um, And then I would go and I would draw comics of that in the style of anime. Um, And it was so important to me and then I just rejected it wholesale when I decided to become an artist. Cause I was like, this isn't real art mm-hmm. drawing realistically drawing like the, like the um, masters is real art. And I need to not do this anime thing because I'm being laughed at. I'm being scorned. I'm having the same kind of um, proportion issues. Cause my eyes are too big and my mouth is too low and there's no chin, yeah. all these issues. Um, but it was, it, it, and so for the first two years of college, I, did that but then my junior year i realized like i wasn't having fun drawing anymore Mm -hmm. i got i got the skills like the foundational skills that i was looking for but it kind of killed the ingenuity and the the flavor that i had had before and i remember making like a distinct decision of trying to bring that back a little bit returning to my uh my interests and my anime roots and suddenly it was like color came back into my life when it came to drawing (laughs) and i feel like every three years this happens to me where i Mm -hmm. push things in a direction that i feel like i should for whatever reason um and then i bring it back to what i'm interested in and then i then i kind of meander off to a different direction and bring it back to what i'm interested in and right now i'm experiencing that where Mm -hmm. these large-scale posters that i'm working on um I keep wanting to flesh them out and fully render them. And I Mm -hmm. bring it back to, no, no, no. What you like is line art, cell shading, Mm -hmm. um, pretty environments with like cell shaded characters. It's, it's anime, man. (laughs) Hold on to that and celebrate it. Hell yeah. Did you ever have a moment growing up where like an adult or somebody you looked up to who was maybe an art instructor did they ever like poo poo on on anime? Did you ever Definitely. have somebody that said something? I don't remember like one specific person who did it. It was more sort of a a big part of just the the educational experience of being in an art school. It felt mm-hmm. felt like every teacher was disparaging towards anime, and I understand yeah. why because when you have um, young artists coming in. And their skills are locked into a style that is not. um, Okay, here's my little thing about this. The way that characters are drawn in anime is shorthand. Mm -hmm. The people who are drawing anime, ideally, are people who know how to draw very well and have decided where to exaggerate and pinch and poke and prod to get a, a final idea more clearly enunciated by like the character's expressions, whatever. Um, so this oversimplification of these human bodies, for instance, mm-hmm. are shorthand for the complex version. And what happens with people like us is we start with the shorthand. I started yeah. drawing the simple simplified version. And so I didn't learn why the mouth is small and in the middle, why the, the chin is in this like pointed shape Human yeah. chins don't come down to a point, like ever. No. But I always draw them coming down to a point, and it looks weird. And it's because mm-hmm. I taught myself that that's correct, but it, it's shorthand. 
so I understand why teachers are frustrated by it because your students are not making decisions for themselves. They are Mm -hmm. copying other people's shortcuts. It's like the cliff notes of drawing. Yeah. And so that breeds resentment in your teachers. And so every teacher I had was like, oh, she's doing the anime thing again. And so I learned to say, oh, I'm doing the anime thing again. Mm -hmm. Until I taught myself that you can do the anime thing again. You just need to be making those decisions and not having those decisions be uh, a default before knowing why. Yeah. I love how you said that too and talked about how it's a shorthand because I was just talking to somebody about style and finding your style because it's so often a thing that young artists are just like, oh my God, I need to find my style. Once I find my style, everything's going to fall into place. I'm going to be this perfect, awesome artist. And I'm like, no, don't think of it that way. Like, Mm -mm. it's just how you draw and it becomes shorthands and i use the exact same word uh, it makes me so happy that like you just out of nowhere just pull that and use the same word and i'm just gross fuck yeah i did have somebody who did that to me and i was at a convention actually i was at gen con in indianapolis and I was going through Artist Alley and I was showing some of the artists my sketchbook and I was doing anime at the time. And one of the artists just kind of like sighed and I was like, oh, what? And he goes, listen, and he kind of got quiet and he's like, the art world does not look super highly upon anime. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that, I remember being a little crushed. But looking back, I also recognize that he probably did that in the best way possible and was kind of like bracing me for it and preparing me for it. Um, And I remember that being the turning point where I tried to learn like real anatomy and and tried to focus more on that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, because it's a tool. Yeah. And depending on the context, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to use a spoon to cut steak. Right. And when all you do is use spoons, people who are using knives and forks are like, "Mm, you should get some more utensils. Or only eat yogurt. Yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking soup. You said yogurt. My brain was like, ew. Mm, just mix them together us yogurt kids all we're doing is watching anime and eating our yogurt with our spoons let's let's be real it's gogurt if we were watching anime yeah we should do another episode i'm not done talking about anime you know oh never there's there's a part of me as a, a metro detroit michigan western white girl that struggles with how influenced I am by Japanese media. Like my work, Mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody looks at my work and says like, oh, clearly an Asian person drew that. But a lot of uh, what I like comes from Japanese folklore, hugely because of Inuyasha and hugely because of like JRPGs, Final Fantasies, um, that extended kind of canon. It It is so energizing to me as opposed to uh, American folklore. Yeah. Or I think it's a lot more cultures. interesting than American folklore and American stories. Like I don't know if that's true. I wouldn't say that it's more interesting just verbatim, but for me, I'm drawn towards it. Yeah. And I want to always be considerate and respectful when using it in my work. And that's held me back. That's the thing that's, that's recently um, cho- given me a choke, put me in a chokehold because I don't want to misrepresent these things in ignorant ways mm-hmm. um, or capitalize on their popularity as somebody who is not like who shouldn't be benefiting from that popularity. Yeah. I think because I'm aware of these things, I'm doing a good job of it. Uh, but it's still something that, that impacts my choices. Yeah. That's a completely valid concern. And I think it's really good to, have that in mind as you, you know, incorporate those things into your work. Mm. Um, I did also pose on Twitter a poll to our listeners. Mm. Um, and I asked them if they were artists, 
did they go through an anime phase? So I'm going to check the results right now because I posted this around like 1 p.m. And so it's had some time to, to marinate. <laughs> Let's see here. What we got? We also have some pretty good responses, too, from people. Like somebody said, is there more than just anime? <laughs> somebody else just See, said, "Phase question they're mark." They're a yogurt person. <laughs> um, so far, we've had eighty-five votes, and eighty-four point seven percent said yes. Yo, well, how do we want to wrap this up? Uh, do you have an artist? Or wait, that's my thing. Do I have an artist? Yes, I do have an artist, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead go ahead and share them. Uh, my artists, I met them at Emerald City Comic Con, and I was drawn in by this wonderful little comic that they have called Monster Heart. The artist's name is Melissa Pagluica, and her work is wonderful, and I was just thumbing through this uh, book, and the thing that really caught me is how how her colors interact, and she uses a lot of really... Uh, muted pastel tones but they're so beautiful and so pretty and the backgrounds are often so so simple but it's like perfect i just i this this book is just amazing she's soft this artwork is soft there's no hard edges to this it's it's marshmallows I look at her work and I i have no teeth and i chew yum 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 gum marshmallow gum yum <laughs> Oh, yeah. Marshmallow is a good way to describe her work. You can tweet at us at your art friends, just like Sarah Robbins did. We love you, Sarah Robbins. She says control salt delete for a snowplow name is my why didn't I think of that moment. Genius. And she's accompanied it with an image of these these snowplows from Minnesota with amazing names. There's Betty Whiteout. Scoop Dog. Uh, Plowosaurus Rex. Very good. Please share your why didn't I think of that moments with us. You can yes. also email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. And where can everybody find you? I'm Beth B. Red all over the internet. Uh, right now, I want you to check out Die Fall. I want you to check out my D&D campaign that I'm doing with Runaway Robot. Uh, it's live on Twitch every other Tuesday, but you can find the VODs. You can find the full show on YouTube. And so I'll link the description. I'll link it in the description below. We are doing a campaign through hell, and there's enough out there to uh, give you some hours of entertainment. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Schmandrew Art everywhere on the internet. The next convention I'll be at isn't until April, uh, and that is Planet Comic Con Kansas City. So if you're going to plan on going to that and you want to stop by and say hi, definitely do so. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Cool. And with that, we have come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious, and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester Tom Fool. <laughs> but that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass hang out together. Yes, us. What's Naruto's catchphrase? Uh, believe it. <laughs> believe it! Your Art Friends is a Moorpark Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 